0: In the Bible, we learn about a king who one night went to bed, and in the middle of the night, he had one of these conversations with God. We would probably call it a dream, and in the dream, he's laying there in his bed, And God asks him a question Ask for whatever you want me to give you. And he doesn't ask for a new car, a new house, or a new wife. He simply, in Second Chronicles chapter one, simply says, Give me wisdom and knowledge. So, I'll be able to lead your people. The task is big. That's interesting in 2 Chronicles 1, 12, God responds, and he says, Since you asked for wisdom and knowledge, now I'm going to bless you with possessions. I'm going to bless you with wealth. And I'm going to bring honor your way. And we learn specifically that when a person has wisdom and knowledge from God, it affects every single aspect of their lives. It's amazing that Solomon gets this download from God Supernatural wisdom begins to flow, and most scholars believe that most of the proverbs that he got from God were written by Solomon, and he writes them down, and he begins to affect the world. The word proverb mashal, actually means a parable, or to rule, or to take dominion or reign with power. So something happens that is dynamic when we begin to get the download from God, and the Bible calls it knowledge and wisdom. about 23 different times in this collection of heavenly wisdom, he says, now, sons, you need to really listen to your fathers. He says, don't don't forsake what your mom says. And he kind of sets out, in part, How we, as people on the earth, can have families that are wise and families that are healthy. Transformation in a society always begins at home, in the family. Around the house, in the kitchen. Now, as we think of the family, we don't begin with the aggregate, we begin with each individual. So that the mark of our family is healthy, that health marks us spiritual health physical health emotional health mental health and relationally we actually interact we're having fun we're normal but we are a healthy family i want you kind of to think about three words that describe your family. And maybe in your small group, in community, or around the kitchen table, you can ask everyone, what are the three words? I thought about that myself, and I thought about health, happy, and fruitful. Then I asked my wife, not a good thing to do. And she said, joy, honor, and challenges. I didn't know what that had to do with me, (laughs) life, or the church. What is it that sort of describes your family? Now, the Bible says here in Proverbs chapter 24, and I'd like us to read this core verse here, verse 3 and 4, hit it with me. By wisdom, a house is built... And through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and So all of us, in a sense, if you're in a family, you're a builder. And just as I remember when this building was built, and these are concrete walls, and they put them up, and watched them have scaffolding all the way to the ceiling, and they were putting up the lights to the ceiling and the ceiling tiles. And our homes and our families are built by wisdom and knowledge and also by understanding. So that each individual that is in the family, around the home, that they are intricately involved in becoming people, kids, students, fathers, mothers, who are healthy. Almost every week, when we gather together in a setting like this, we're not talking about football or basketball, but our our main thinking here is spiritual health. And sometimes, as we think of the family, there's a component we don't even include, and it has to do with physical health. Somehow, we think if we talk about the physical realm, that that would not be as spiritual as talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. But we have to remind ourselves that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, Paul says, hey, heads up, do you know that yourselves are God's holy temple and God's spirit dwells in your midst. In that context, he was talking about living right, but the body that we have as believers, the Bible says you're a temple and the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. 1 Corinthians chapter... Three, the Bible says that, chapter 6, verse 20, don't you know you're bought with a price? And then he says, honor God with your body. I do want to make everyone aware on the earth you only get one body. I know we'll go to heaven, And we'll have a new body. Right now, we have one body. And we have been given this body, and we should know as much or more about how this body is healthy as knowing social media, your computer, iPad, and video games. The momentum is really building, I can see. (laughs) Thank you, this section back here. And what we have to do is learn how to be healthy. To learn that sleep is important. And the Bible says in Psalm 4, verse number 8, In peace, I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. A report from 2016 said that Americans spend, at that time, $41 billion on sleeping remedies. And that by next year, Americans will spend $52 billion trying to sleep. And often, we don't put a priority of turning the lights out, turning off our computers, and getting eight or nine hours of sleep a night. So the body is restoring. Your body is getting healthier because you've been resting. Now, if everyone at your table is tired, and most Americans are tired, and most of them are sick and tired, And you're trying to have a healthy family. Forget the spiritual things for a moment as we define them. And now now begin to think and feel, am I doing what is right? I know, and I'm not a mechanic, but I do know I can't put sand where the gas tank is. I do know that the synthetic oil in my car has to be changed at a given time. I do know the tires have to be rotated. The front end has to be aligned. I know that it needs to be washed regularly. I know a little bit about my car, and sometimes we know more about our car than our bodies. And the Bible says that you perish for lack of knowledge. And it has to do With want to so that you decide and I decide am I going to be sick and tired as I sit around the table here so that I'm so tired I don't even know my name or am I going to be alive vibrant even when all kinds of things are happening because I understand that to be healthy I have to do certain things I need to get in bed and not after I turn off the computer because my mind is still wired done that before but 30 minutes or more before all of that you're slowing your body down our rest is not incidental it's important And the Bible says, in peace, not chaos, you can smile along the way here. In peace, say it, in peace, I will... Now, the enemy gives us children as predators for sleep. If you have children, and you have kept your children, you know that for a long time, they will not go to bed. I will not mention the daughter in our family that was a constant reminder of sleeplessness, Night after night, I was sleeping on this side of the bed, and she would come over, Daddy, I want some water. Anybody know the... I don't know whether they teach, the, teach kids this, but they all have the same script. Get back to your bed. You're not going to sleep with your mother and I tonight. And I kind of try to be a Christian and take her back. And about 10 minutes later, this persistent, I can almost mention her name, and I think I'd be healed if I, if I said that. <laughs> and again, the same night, I counted one night. And I think I do need healing. Heal me. And five times, and it was incessant. This is a predator <laughs> to your sleep. If I'm going to be healthy, I have to make sleep a priority. And I have to learn how to eat. I have to have knowledge of what is healthy and not healthy. When we're sitting around and passing the bottle and saying, saying okay, um, fill my glass with Coke and we bring uh, these unhealthy things into our family and you've got, what, seven teaspoons of sugar? Or we get bring in the cereal from the store that is loaded with sugar and then we're wondering why our kids are aberrant in their behavior it's not the devil it's the sugar (laughs) don't cast out the devil cast out the sugar (laughs) now many of those companies are getting saved and changing But it's important that every person at your table, and you're the mom or the dad, and you're bringing the food in, or calling Amazon, and the food is arriving, are you poisoning them? Are you making them smile as they eat all that sugar and, oh, have the cookie and have... And then they're sick all the time. And you're wondering why they're sick. I don't know. It may not be the devil. Every sickness is not the devil. It may be It may be a lack of wisdom and not having knowledge. And God intends us to be healthy. In 3 John 2, he says, Beloved, I pray that you will prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. And what he is saying is, I want everyone to prosper. But if if I'm tired all the time, if I don't, I can't even think I don't even know, I don't even know where I am and I can't really think. I do not culturally believe that we ought to deteriorate with every year we live and then they put us back in the back room and we sit there like this for the next 10 years and we don't know anybody. I believe in having a sharp mind I believe in having energy. I believe that you can be healthy, but you're not going to be healthy if you do what everyone else is doing. And we have to say, now, wait a minute. I need that knowledge. And I ask the Holy Spirit to help me to lead me so that I can lead my family. Leading your family spiritually includes does not exclude how we take care of our bodies. There is no dichotomy or division between spirituality and reading my Bible and what I put into my body and whether I'm sleeping regularly in my bed. I never do this, but start by reading a couple books by Dr. Don Colbert, Toxic Relief, or a book, Seven Pillars of Health, and begin to say, what does my body need? What am I doing? Do I have regular physicals? Am I educated in all of these things? so that I can be wise, have knowledge, raise the next generation to have the same thing. Proverbs 2, verse 6 says, wisdom is a gift from a generous God. And every word he speaks is full of revelation. That's knowledge. And becomes a fountain of understanding within you. For the Lord has a hidden storehouse of wisdom, made accessible to His godly lovers. So when you're going down the food aisle and you're ready to buy something, there's generous wisdom and the Holy Spirit to say, "Don't buy that." And I'm praying the Holy Spirit will not only fall here. I'm praying the Holy Spirit will fall in the grocery store. Thank you for your response. (laughs) You listen to the Holy Spirit right now while we're teaching. You listen to the Holy Spirit when you read your Bible. There's generous... Knowledge and there's wisdom when you're out there and you're about to eat something that in an hour you won't even know what's happening because your blood sugar's fallen and now you, you need another kick. <laughs> Say the word health. health. Now there's something else that is affecting our families in an incredible way. And in Second Timothy chapter three, verse one and two, there's kind of this prophetic warning of what will happen. And this is what the Apostle writes. But you need. be aware that in the final days the culture of society will become extremely fierce people will be self-centered lovers of themselves obsessed with money they will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right in the last lines read it with me they will ignore their own families Now, most of us are in the culture a good part of our lives. And what happens, what we're exposed to in the media, in social media, and all that's happening around us, what happens is the culture subtly comes in, and we also can become like it. And here he says there's going to be this selfie mode. Now, it's wonderful to take a picture of a few friends, but when you have to spend an hour, what do they call that? See, this, these, these people know what that is. When you have to spend an hour photoshopping it, Well, how do I look? (laughs) Get that camera on. very easy to get a website and do this and do this, and it's, I'll be honest, years ago, I, w- I started texting a lot, and then I kind of felt, after a while, it's like, I'm telling people what I think and people what I, what... I felt like, this is too much of me, and I'm not saying, I'm not anti-text. I think we have to be very careful because we can get so focused on the selfie deal that we don't really communicate with other people and so that we end up that we are having a family and they're so into social media that you come for dinner and mama's mama's made this meal or probably dad's now and so now the food is there and and she this daughter is on their whatever, and they're on social media, or the mom and dad, and everybody sits there like this, and, and they're all like, like this, like, ladies and gentlemen, that's a boarding house. That's not a family. That's not a family. In Genesis 18, the Bible says that God spoke to Abraham and he said, I chose you that you may direct. What does it say? I've chosen you, Abraham, and I've chosen you not just to have a big deal out here. I chose you, Abraham, and I chose you that you were going to direct. And my question today is where are those who are directing? That problem is not the students. They are kids. They are are students. And I'm not saying you should get mad or angry. You just put signs up in the kitchen. No social media allowed. And when it shows up, you said, Jimmy, take your phone and take it back to your room, please. And then they're going to scream. And then you take the phone and you hold it for them because it's hard on them. <laughs> I want to, uh, I, I want to this morning kind of, uh, I want to reintroduce, uh, go back to the fam, go back to the table. I want to, I, I want to reintroduce kind of like what could happen kind of like just, hey, how was your day? Good. How was your day? Good. Okay, we have more wisdom here. Uh, what is something great that happened to you today? Hey, girl. <laughs> did you get frustrated today? Anything happened? And maybe, maybe, maybe it's at the table you could incorporate Gratefulness. the Bible says, and let me tell you, this applies to you, it applies to me because i 've been inundated with the culture, and so have you and our tendency is people are doing things to us and it all happen, and just kind of walk off like this, yeah uh-huh. and this culture is ungrateful, and if your children, your sons and daughters and husbands and and you're, I was gonna say wives, but your wife. <laughs> Wanna be accurate in the talk here this morning? <laughs> if, if you are not directing them, they, they don't know, they're out there in the culture, and so you have a meal, and let's say on this night, mother has made it, and they get up and go to the room, you're the father or of your single mother. Now, Barbara, a meal was just provided for you. And so you have to learn gratefulness. And here's, here, here's how it goes, Barbara. Mom, thank you for making dinner tonight. It was wonderful. Don't we have to get the language down. Hey, Mom, uh, I got some of my clothes out. And I I saw that you washed them. Hey, thanks. Or maybe having kids where they say, "Uh, Mom, I'm going to do the dishes tonight. In fact, in our house in Baltimore, we had six kids. Everybody had an assignment. And if you don't have your kids have an assignment, you're going to raise lazy, social-led kids. It won't show up, but they will have a horrible marriage. (laughs) Because their husband... their husband or wife will be teaching them at 35 or 40 what you didn't teach them at the table, that you have to be grateful. You have to be grateful. Paul says, Timothy, listen, as time goes on, here's what is going to happen. There's going to be in the culture, a selfie mode. Here's what's going to happen. Watch out. He says, they're even going to ignore their own family. What are we doing? It's prophetic. They'll ignore their own family. Don't you let it happen. Because you don't have a healthy family. You're running a boarding house. You're running a boarding house. I want to, I heard uh, Francis Chan say this the other day, and this this is not something that I could say. He was talking about this, and he said, yeah, we have. I've been pastoring for thirty years, and people come into the church and they're thinking about themselves, and and they sit there, and then the sermon isn't just right, and then they go home, and and they're thinking about themselves all the time, and and then they get in their car, and and it's all about them, and and what? Wow. I would never say that. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if it doesn't creep in. So you're here and you get, you, get, you know, you're like, you're here and, and you get a word and God touches you and, and you're leaving and you don't even know people that are around you. You're not a part of community. And the reason, maybe the enemy causes things, but God uses them. So you have Wisdom. Everyone is in this room has wisdom. And you've been through a divorce and that divorce is not for you to come through it only. That's to help someone else where you have a wisdom you have the wisdom and you're in community here and you're going through this divorce or situation and you're there you're sharing it and someone Is right here and say, listen, I went through that a couple years ago. And I know what you're facing. And this is what is happening. And you pray with them. And you have a word of knowledge. You have a word of wisdom for them. But if you have gone through things. And you have learned the wisdom. And you have gained it. And you keep it to yourself. You are selfie. You are selfie. We have many people in this church who have been saved a long time, and you're not you're sh- you're not using the wisdom that you have. And there are people that are, that are wandering around in our church, and they don't know what to do because you're not there to tell them. God has given you wisdom, and don't appreciate what He has given to you. What would happen? Somebody raises their hand. I'm a guest. It's weird to be a guest. You don't know anybody. You don't even know where the bathroom is. (laughs) But what happens, somebody puts up their hand, and you're not a selfie, you walk over. Hey, my name's Alex. Yeah. Hey, come on, have a coffee. And you do something profound. Oh, boy. So, tell me, what's your name? Yeah, how'd how'd you happen to come today? You might find that person is at the lowest point of their life. And if you don't get to them, let me tell you what I've learned in life. I feel the most personally fulfilled when I give. This... This message, this message may be one of the most difficult messages as I struggled late Thursday night 11-something 11, 11 because I didn't want to say the things I'm saying naturally. But I thought, what would happen if all of us would learn how to engage each other at another level, and that we would really be a community, and that no one would be left behind. That rather than after this meeting, running, and sometimes we, of course, have meetings and things, what would happen if the person, I mean, to sit next to a person and never ask their name? We are a selfie church you come in you sit down the person's right there and you never say oh my god that's not a family that's like well we've all come to a concert this morning and the band's cranking up and let me remind you we started this church to get out of the christian culture yeah. you come in somebody's there you're going to sit next Hey, my name is, could I sit next to you? Sure. You might find your husband or wife, you never know. (laughs) And you sit down, and great things happen. I never wanted to be in the ministry, because I never liked, it kind of felt kind of like staged, kind of religious deal. Uh, to be honest, my dad said, I was 15 years old. I walked down the street, and the Lord called me. I was walking around the street. I wanted to make money. <laughs> so I'm not cut out for this deal. God kind of drafted me. I got drafted. But I don't... I I don't want to be a part of church, I don't like it. Unless it's authentic, integrity, and people are gonna to be together. I don't want to have 10,000 people who sit here once a week and, and someone gives a talk and you go home. That, that's, that's, that's not an Acts 2 church. Acts 2 church is just three, three main deals. One, you get the power of the Holy Spirit, You get in community and you see miracles and signs and wonders and you tell people about Jesus. That's an Acts 2 church. So that's our dream in this deal here, that we're an Acts 2 church and that you don't come here and just leave and it's me and me and me and my problem. No, you're gonna share and I'm gonna share and we're gonna see God move in an amazing way. We're gonna see God move in an amazing way. And I'm asking the Lord, Jesus. That song we sang is one of my favorites about passion and love for Jesus. And I thought of what it says that, that wisdom is most of all, in Proverbs nine ten. the starting point for acquiring wisdom is to be consumed with awe as you worship Jehovah God. To receive the revelation of the Holy One, you must come to the one who is living understanding. Wisdom is the awe of God in all of His glory. Just last week, I was incessantly thinking about the cross resurrection. So I was getting ready this morning, I was thinking, God, my sins are forgiven. This is so amazing. And I'm asking God for the presence of God to fall on your house and that you'll go back to the table of love. So if you come in my house, or I come in your house. There's something different about our house. It's like my house belongs to the Lord. We do our best in our house to please Jesus. We're directing our children in God's ways. And maybe, maybe we'll raise up some John Wesleys. Maybe some Suzanne Wesleys. Maybe we'll have families that are totally healthy, and God does something so powerful. The whole city says, for goodness sakes, what has happened over on John Young Parkway? And hopefully they will say, there's something different over there. They won't know what it is, but we do. It's the presence of the Lord. And maybe we need to present our bodies today to the Lord and say, Lord, this is the one body I have. I'm going to present it to you as a living sacrifice. In just a moment, we're going to just make this song a song of dedication. I want to give my life to the Lord afresh today and say, Jesus, I don't want you to use 90% of me. I want you to have a hundred percent. It's like the founder of Salvation Army, Mr. Booth said this, I'm not that talented. I'm not that smart. He said, I've given everything I have to the Lord. He said those words just before he died. And let it be said of every one of us, I may not be the smartest, I may not know the whole Bible, but I've always said, Jesus, take me, take me. So I want to end this service as kind of a, just saying, Lord, take me. And I'm asking the Lord that something is going to happen profoundly in your home this week. And that God will do something great and I like this song It this I give my whole life I don't give part of my life I give my whole life and then to make you may be in bondage in some area but this song says about the chains being broken and I believe as we sing the song all over this building wherever there's a chain it's going to be it's going to be broken in Jesus name Hallelujah. I did my whole life. to ask for just a moment that there be no movement please just for a moment it's a very unusual moment at the end of our meeting here where people have the opportunity to be forgiven of their sins to think that no matter what we've done how bad how bad we've been indiscretion, wrong decisions, and that reeking condemnation and guilt that says you're not good enough. Shame that marks us when we wake up in the morning, and yet Christ says, because of his death and his resurrection, he says, I'll give you forgiveness. He actually doesn't categorize all sins, but he he just simply says, I'll forgive you. I'll take your sins away. I can't even describe the power of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It just is Jesus welcoming us into his family with grace and love and kindness. Just a moment, we're going to count to three, and maybe you need to say, Alex, pray for me. I want this family to pray for me. Or maybe you've known the Lord, you've been disconnected, just got on the wrong path, today you can reconnect. It doesn't matter, but you need to do that. There is no fulfillment without Christ. Things will cause you to feel good for a while, but when you get home and you're alone, you know it's not right. Make that decision today, those that are watching online, you can do the same thing. You can come to Christ, make this your day. Someone to count the three, just throw up a hand, throw up a hand, one, two, three. Put it up all over the building, put it up. Go ahead, put it up, put it up all over the building. Say yes, yes. I want Jesus over here. Put it up, put it up, put it up, put it up, put it up. Do it right now, wherever you are. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I'm going to ask those that raised your hand to walk down the aisle, just stand here for a moment, and we're going to have a closing prayer with you. Come wherever you are. Come right now. Come right now. Come right now. Come on, come on. Do it right now. Hi. Come on, do it. thank uh, all of these that have come this morning my wife is giving you a hug and many of you are are crying and God is touching you right now and this is the miracle that will happen in one moment you're presenting yourself to Jesus and you're literally giving yourself to him And through a prayer, that miracle happens, and Christ comes into our lives. There are two dramatic things that happen. You're forgiven of your sin. That's only half of it. The other half is Jesus makes you righteous as He is. Positionally, you walk out of here forgiven. No matter what you've done, Christ takes it. And God is going to change you right now. We're going to pray this prayer, and all of our family will say this with you. And then right after that, Pastor Jeff wants to take you to the side for right in this room. There are a couple friends there. We're going to give you a Bible, just five minutes, and God will just seal that, that you'll see how valuable you are and I want us all to say this very loudly and you say it online if you didn't come and there are four or five in the room today you didn't come because you didn't feel you're worthy and if you didn't have worth, Christ would not have gone to the cross we are people that have worth. worth because he loves us he says I'll forgive you no penance no leave and try to do better that's religion this is a hard experience four or five you don't think you're worthy that is the devil telling you that expunge that from your brain and you pray this prayer Anyway, defy what he's saying to your thoughts now let's say this loudly Jesus, Jesus. I, put my faith in you I put my faith in you that you took my sin on the cross, took my sin on the cross. I, confess and I confess and believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, that God Jesus from the dead. and he's alive, and he's alive. I, turn from I turn from my sin I repent of my sin I abandoned my life, abandoned my to, life. Follow Jesus. to follow Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, into my heart. Forgive me, my sin. Forgive me my sin. And give me, give me your grace. The gift of righteousness, righteousness. and eternal life. They're still and coming. Life. If you prayed that prayer, you're in the family. Go ahead. Go right there. Come on, let's thank the Lord for all these. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. We'll see you Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Hug somebody.